Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, episode 26, all the geeky news you can use. My name is Kyle Abair. I'm an anime and video game voice actor here on the West Coast. And your co-host on the East Coast, Otherworld Steve. And this week, I think I'm going to be a philanthropist. Oh, really? You're going you're gonna, to like give to good causes with all the, the mad stacks of cash you make? I always do that. That's an everyday thing for me up in here. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. It's good that you're giving to the community and, and helping your fellow man. I believe it was. It wasn't this past weekend. The weekend prior, um, we made an initial donation to the school of some books for the library, and we were able to bring them 1,400 books for those poor little children who had nothing to read. Dude, that's awesome. Congratulations. That That's very, very impressive with uh, with very little social media blanketing, I guess. It was very localized. It was very word of mouth. And um, when it comes to the kids, people were just so willing to open up their wallets. It was really awesome. And uh, I get a very nice thank you card from the mayor of the city. So that's something I hold very near and dear to me. That is bad to the ass. Squared or cubed or quadrupled or whatever. I, I can't math. It doesn't matter. But anyway... If you guys have noticed, we have not been on the air, so to speak, for a few weeks, and uh, here's where the honesty comes in. Uh, sometimes computers break down, and that's exactly what happened to mine. And while the technology does exist to stream from a phone and whatnot, um, one's internet connection <laughs> is still kind of vital. We, we did a bunch of tests to try to do a backup version of, of our show, and uh, it just wasn't in the cards, so... Instead, we had reruns for a few weeks, and hopefully you guys have caught up and, and listened to previous episodes in your boredom, because I know you sit around all day just waiting to um, to hear a new Big Ball broadcast, which, you know, we're still here, we're still live, we're still kicking, uh, and I'm, I'm coming to you from a new machine. Now, my old machine is still going to come back to me, because it, it's going to be repaired, as far as I know, but... Um, I've been working a lot, and I decided, I, I'm honest, I decided to treat myself. I want to get a new computer. So I got me one of those Retina 5K iMacs, and it is sexy. It is friggin' smexy. And uh, so we're coming to you from that on my end here in Burbank, California. What are you rocking over there, Steve? The world know what you're on? You're on like a HP or something? I'm using my company's... HP laptop. It's a Pavilion DV7. <laughs> a few years old. No. My computer blew up, geez, over a year ago. And my wife was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm sick of fixing it. I'm sick of dumping tons of money into parts. Do you want a computer? Go buy a computer. But as most people know, the majority of my income goes to cocaine and hookers. So a new computer is going to have to wait quite a while. Well, you know, you got to have priorities. And when you say cocaine and hookers, I, I, I guess I understand where you're coming from. Even as a fellow podcaster, you just kind of got to just stand back and say, you know, what what do I need more in my life? Cocaine and hookers. Yeah, exactly. And we do have cocaine and whores. That's the username 
of uh, one of the lovely folks who've decided to join us on our Tuesday night chats. What we do is a live audio stream, folks. If you ever want to listen to our episodes being recorded, um, we do it kind of ghetto style, but at least you can still hear us. The higher quality versions end up on smodcast.com, of course. But uh, we want to say special thanks to Alan S., Cocaine and Whores, Sigmund88, Blaze, Y, and Treg, who so far have joined us. Now, if you would like to join us, that is live on Tuesday nights. Basically, uh, there, there's some exceptions. This you know, this coming week in, in early June, we're going to actually be doing it on a Wednesday. But typically Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, and that's 6 p.m. Pacific. And it's okay if you can't join us, no biggie. But we like to generate our chat room, which the link is is on our Twitter feed, at BB Broadcast. And you can, of course, communicate with us that way or drop us a line at thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com or just sit here in the chat room and ask your questions or or whatnot. Actually, uh, Cocaine and Whores just asked me, uh, is it a gold iMac? No, it is not one of those uh, wretched things. <laughs> I think that just screams to be stolen, those MacBook things. The, the regular iMacs? No. I think they, uh, I think they're okay. Uh, so regular old silver. I wouldn't steal a gold iMac. <laughs> you wouldn't steal a gold one? It's still an Apple, fuck it. Oh, yeah, there he goes. I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> When's he going to run in and starts hating on the Apple? Ah. But yeah, oh, Extreme Flash just joined us too. That's cool. Like we got that. cocaine, whores, and extreme flash. I mean, it's just, it's a sex party up in here. Oh, it's external flash. Sorry. I even have my glasses on. I have no excuse for this shit. And I'm looking at a retina iMac. Okay, look. <laughs> I, I took your word for it, okay? <laughs> I know. I know. You know, um, yeah, now I can increase the font size on here, but if you increase the font size, you lose the retina resolution. I was talking to my brother because he used to work at the Mac store. And he says, yeah, you can, you can make the font bigger, old man, but uh, I'm not so sure you're going to want to. So I put on my overpriced prescription reading glasses, uh, and everything is you know, clearer than without. I don't know. Have you managed to escape the whole I got to wear glasses now thing? You know, it's sad because I had the experience earlier today where I should have been wearing glasses. Um, it was kind of embarrassing. I was with my supervisor. I couldn't read a damn thing on the screen of this laptop. So I might be having to break down soon and get me some funky eyewear. I wear sunglasses constantly, as you well know very well, indoors, outdoors, year-round. I have a sensitivity in the old eyeballs, probably from smoking too much pot. But, uh, yeah, I'm starting to lose the vision. That happens when you get to our age. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, Steve has, has come over to, to my side of the world a few times in the past at uh, some anime conventions, and I don't think there was a point when he wasn't wearing sunglasses. Didn't matter the time of day. You know that song, I'm wearing my sunglasses at night. This is that I'm dedicating that to Otherworld Steve. Well, when the sun's up, that's just, it's so fucking annoying dealing with that giant glowing orb in the sky. I fucking hate it. I want to kill it with water. But at night, it's... it's <laughs> To cover up the red, you know, if you know what I mean. Oh, my God. So we missed a few weeks because, of course, this technical debacle, the computer breaking down and then our backup test failing miserably. Uh, was there anything we want to talk about that happened over the past few weeks and just reminisce? I want to talk about what you can't talk about. So already that's a bummer because you got to go to Texas and have fun. And 
I want the deets, and I know you can't give the deets. I can't give plot deets, but I can say that, uh, yeah, I recently went to Texas to record uh, on the new Dragon Ball Z movie, which the actual premiere date, I think, was listed as uh, in early August. Um, I have it. You keep yammering, and I'll throw it out there when I find it. Yeah, a limited theatrical run once again, so uh, once the tickets uh, go live, I'm not sure they are yet, but uh, if you go to Funimation.com, you will see uh, the dates and probably soon the whole list of theaters that will be actually playing Resurrection F, which is the sequel to Battle of Gods, and then uh, there's a whole new series, Dragon Ball Super, which... Um, I'll be coming back as the voice of older Gohan for, and we'll see what happens. Quick turnover, a quick trip to Dallas. It was like 24 hours. Me and my girlfriend went to a uh, comic palooza in Houston where um, Comic-Con light. It was like the coolness of Comic-Con, but without the crowds. So I really appreciate that. And uh, a shout out to Sammy and the whole staff of Comic Palooza for taking great care of us. You know, on the way back, you guys have seen on the news that Houston went through some flooding recently. Well, we got stuck on the tarmac as that storm was rolling through Houston. So we sat on a tarmac for three hours, and then finally there was a gap in the storm that we could take off. So that was like the scariest 25 minutes on a flight ever because, you know, the turbulence. You're, you're going through a lightning storm, thunder crashing and everything. And I knew that once we got above that storm, we would be okay. But yeah, knuckles, white knuckles and everything as we finally, you know, it's like, man, it takes three hours to get to L.A. from Houston we would have been home, but uh, we got delayed that long, and that, that really that really sucked. But the weather the weather was fine in Dallas by the time I got there a day later. So we arrived back from Houston. I got two hours sleep, immediately went back to LAX to fly to Dallas, record Dragon Ball Z, and 24 hours later, I'm on the flight back to L.A., completely exhausted. Whew. Do you feel like a like big celebrity now doing the celebrity grind and having to fly out and do this and go to this appearance and all that. I didn't feel like a celebrity because, you know, celebrities nowadays, you have to be chased around by TMZ and, and paparazzi and shit. And in the voice acting world, that doesn't happen. We enjoy anonymity, which is fucking awesome. I heard you get a little fuck you at the airport. Oh, it actually wasn't me that dealt with it. Uh, but I, I don't honestly remember who it was, but some of the voice actors that work in the anime and video game and cartoon world, uh, will get kind of blindsided by autograph hounds. These are people that are kind of like the autograph version of paparazzi. So they will crash people uh, at the airport or at premieres or whatnot. And they say all this shit like, come on, man, come on, just sign an autograph. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. <laughs> like really, and I'm looking at these things that look like they were just printed at home. Uh, you know, it's the same image over and over, and you you can tell them because you know, usually people that do the autographs are like, "Hey, who do I make this out to? I want to personalize it," and they're like, "No, no, no, just put your name on there." And then the next day it goes up on eBay. Ah, oh, man, vultures. Now I guess the autographs hounds will tell you that it's like, well, not everyone can make it to a convention or a premiere or the airport. So we're like the, the go between we're making it possible. And it's like, okay, in theory, that doesn't sound quite as douchey, but, uh, anyone who goes to anime cons knows that the voice acting talent, there giveaway autographs. We sign shit for free. So if you're paying for an autograph, especially what they're charging on eBay, you know, 40, 50 bucks for a little eight by 10 print, you are being scammed, and I would encourage you not to do that. A lot of voice actors do have some sort of contact 
mailing address, either their agents or whatnot. Just go to their website. Just use Google, and you will find nine times out of ten, you know, whoever you're seeking an autograph from in the voiceover world probably has an address, and they say, I will gladly sign something. Just please remember to include self-addressed stamped envelope. And even if you do that, and even if you send your own shit to get signed, it's still way cheaper than what these eBay fuckers are doing. Oh, absolutely. I, I've mailed things halfway around the world to get autographs on posters direct to the, the personality. In 99% of my cases, they've just charged return shipping. They'll just send it with, with another return label or whatever. Be happy to do it. Ben Chapman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, mailed that out to Hawaii, and all he charged was um, return shipping on it. Uh, James Earl Jones, Empire Strikes Back signed poster, just shipping. So, yeah, to buy shit on eBay is ridiculous. But the other thing, too, is, like, for a while, I, I got quite a few anime voice actor autographs on my DVDs. And just for my personal aesthetics, I don't want it made out to me. And I'm also married, and I, I don't want it to, to me, to her, to both. So I just say, just make it out to me. And most people have been really cool. I've only had one, like, really fucking asshole. And I won't say who, because I'm not that big of a dick. Uh, <laughs> It was a member of the English cast for Gundam Wing. I'll, I'll say that much. Ah, and okay. Everybody else was so compliant signing just their, their autograph, and, and this fucker was so pissed that he, we didn't want it made out to a, a certain person, so he just signed it like with a character as opposed to his name as a little fuck you back at us. So ah. If you're listening, I remember you. Fuck you. <laughs> it, it just depends on the business model. Anime conventions... The, 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 the guests or the voice actors, they make an appearance fee typically. So they're getting paid on the back end behind the scenes. They're not going to, you know, do that to the fans. Although a lot of people nowadays, myself included, yeah, we sign shit for free, but, uh, you know, we'll offer things for sale optionally. It's like if you want this eight by 10 with the characters on it or these poster prints or, or if they're also musicians and they sell CDs, I get that. That's, that's fine. And then the Comic Con business model, um, and the, these type pop culture shows, they work on a guarantee where, uh, the, the guests are guaranteed to sell X number of, or X number of dollars, uh, for autographs. They're, and their pricing, of course, depends. You know, you could pay, you know, $10 for, for one celebrity and pay like $165 for Jeremy Renner, <laughs> you know, who, who actually was a guest at Comic Palooza. And there was a long line of people willing to pay 165 bucks. Uh, so it's what the market will bear. If the anime people are at those shows and then they don't charge, then the other guests kind of think that, hey, you're making us look bad. What the fuck is this? Are you giving away autographs? What the hell? <laughs> and it's just, it's just weird. It's just weird. And I still kind of, uh, did my normal routine where I said, hey, I have eight by tens for sale, but I'm not going to force it on you. You want to do pictures? You want to sign shit? Come to an anime con, guys. You know, let's just do that. Granted, there, there's always, uh, an exception to the rule or say, I can't get to the con. Will you do that? But again, you know, uh, approach, use email, contact the, uh, the person in question and see if they have an alternate means that you can acquire an autograph. And nine times out of 10, it's going to be way cheaper than, uh, these eBay fuckers. And also in my experience, um, the, the Japanese guests haven't charged for autographs or, or even sketches in some cases. I get to meet monkey punch, uh, a few years ago. And get these beautiful sketches of uh, Lupin and, and uh, Fujiko, and 
there was no charge. It was just standing in line. Granted, it may take a while. Um, Watson Abbey from Cowboy Bebop, not charging for autographs either. So it's very win-win to go to a con. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a different, uh, world. A lot of the audience and anime conventions tend to be younger. They don't have as much disposable income. Whereas the pop culture shows, a lot of people are going for nostalgia factors. People in their thirties and forties are, are seeing celebrities that are on the con circuit from TV shows and movies that they grew up on. I mean, at Comic Palooza, I met Henry Winkler. I met uh, Barry Boswick, who was Brad on uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and he was on Spin City with Michael J. Fox. Uh, I mean, a really diverse lineup. You even had Stan Lee there. I didn't get to meet him. Or George Takei. I saw him, but didn't get to meet him and try and impress him with my, oh, my. Not that that would impress him. I'm sure he's tired of hearing impressions of him. A lot of people who go to these nostalgia shows, the guests of the nostalgia shows, they kind of have to sell merch and autographs to survive. There's some people that I walk by and I go, wow, um, I guess they kind of have to do this to get by because maybe the residuals from the old days aren't quite as, uh, you know, keeping the wallets full and the rents paid and all that stuff. And again, there's an audience for it, depending on who it is. I mean, you get anyone from Star Wars, people will line up for hours. People like, you know, Carrie Fisher and you, know, you pay good money to get into a convention and suddenly, oh, I have the opportunity to spend even more money. But some people will gladly do it because they look at it as, hey, I'm never going to see these people again. Here's my one chance to see Adam West or William Shatner. I think it's a given, though. I, th- I think you should at least understand before buying your pass for the con that certain guests are, are going to charge for autographs, and you have to account for that. I don't think it's fair to call somebody a dick because they charge for autographs. What sort of shit is going down in our geeky world, Steve? Well, you know, it's sad because it seems that all I read about while we were away was reboot this and reboot that. So... I guess we might as well talk with what I think is the most egregious one on my list, and that is the proposed uh, remake of Big Trouble in Little China. This was a movie that I appreciate and love. I think it was ahead of its time. came out in 1986. Uh, John Carpenter is still in his prime. You know, He did the Great Thing remake in 82, which bombed theatrically because it came out in the same summer as E.T., uh, then um, he went on to make this, this, this wonderful, it's almost impossible to describe. It's an action movie. It's a comedy. It's a sci-fi fantasy thriller. It's a little bit of everything. It's kind of a mashup. It's kind of a movie that you would see made today. But it came out in 86 where you had the summer of, you know, uh, Aliens and The Fly, the remake with Jeff Goldblum. You had all sorts of other things um, making money. Top Gun. Uh, was a huge thing that summer. Uh, but Big Trouble in Little China didn't find its audience until home video. And I guess, you know, uh, Dwayne Johnson is a bankable box office dude. And uh, I guess he's in the running? Or is, has he been confirmed to, to take uh, Kurt Russell's role? I'm reading that there's still negotiations going on behind the scenes. And I don't know if this helps to whet your appetite at all, but... It's being written by First Class scribes Ashley Miller and Zach Stentz. So. Okay, X-Men First Class I'm happy about. I just saw San Andreas because my girlfriend wanted to see it, and I didn't really want to. And uh, she goes, all right, all right, you win this one. It wasn't very good. <laughs> like, I know, we should have seen Fury Road again, duh, but that's okay. They're just really trying to bank Dwayne Johnson right now. I mean... I think it's kind of on the coattails. He's going to be in Shazam. He's, he's going to be the, the villain, and he's already said he's signed on for multiple pictures. 
Uh, you mentioned San Andreas, and then uh, you know, there's good other stuff coming along too. So uh, I agree so much with what you said about it. It's it's something that found its niche cult following so after the fact. You're talking about a movie that grossed eleven million dollars domestically. And even for the 80s, that's quite embarrassing. You had practical effects. Uh, you know, are, are people going to take the J.J. Abrams approach and bring back practical effects because that's what the audience demands? Or is it something that's so insignificant it really doesn't matter? And I can't see taking a serious take on it because I think that kind of fun, rompy, campy approach they took in the 80s was appropriate because it was what it was. We just we got to stop doing this shit. A lot of the feedback from fans are like, "Hey, I could see it. You know, The Rock's a good actor. He's got charisma and all that stuff. You know, the thing, same thing that Kurt Russell had going on. I think Kurt Russell still has it because Quentin Tarantino resurrected him for you know Death Proof, which a lot of people didn't really care for. But his character, it's like, oh man, no, Kurt Russell's still cool, and I think he's going to be in Quentin Tarantino's new Western movie coming out around Christmas time." But, you know, honestly, I think if they wanted to do a sequel and not a reboot, I'd be on board if they just brought back Kurt Russell. You know, just just, just stick with what you know. Hell, I'd, I'd even watch a Snake Plissken, you know, watch it bring, do Escape from New York, uh, Escape from wherever. Just take the taste of Escape from L.A. out of, out of your mouth. Be honest and tell me how excited you are about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen reboot. Uh, well, I did not ever see that. I know that that movie left a very bad taste in Sean Connery's mouth, so much that that was the last movie he actually made. Uh, he uh, he fought constantly with uh, Stephen Norrington, who uh, who I liked his directing prowess on the first Blade movie. And I thought, okay, now that guy also did Return to Oz in 85, so he's been around for a while. Um but and and you think okay let's take another Alan Moore comic and, and we all know infamous, infamously that Alan Moore hates the cinematic adaptations of his works but uh people you know V for Vendetta is very well regarded people like Watchmen you know it, it's split but I love Watchmen I love the, the cinematic the movie version I did not see that one but a reboot eh, I don't know I mean it seemed like a cool premise but I just heard the reviews and I just stayed away like it's like okay I'm not going to even waste my time with this one I saw it, and it was an awful, awful movie, and shame on anybody who wants to bring this back. Apparently, John Davis, the producer from Chronicle and Man from Uncle, is looking to produce this project. Right now, he's seeking directors, so there's no casting news, of course. This is another one that I just lump into the, what the fuck are you thinking category? You think, okay, they're, they're pulling shit out of their ass, literally. Here, It's like, let's remake uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Okay, okay, let's do this. We're in the day and age where fucking... You know, Evil Dead with Ash and Bruce Campbell is a fucking TV series. Who the fuck thought that was going to happen? Not me. <laughs> Not me. And I love Ash and I love Evil Dead. I love Bruce Campbell. And uh, I'm really excited to see what Stars does with that. I don't know if it can carry on as a whole series. Honestly, Sam Raimi, just go back and uh, <coughs> just make Evil Dead 4. Showdown in S-Mart, man. Just, just do that. You don't need to be producing crappy Poltergeist remakes. I didn't even see that. And I got a bunch of friends going tomorrow night. It's like, oh, go see it. Like, no, no, I'm not so sure I want to. No, I hear it's got a short runtime. It's only about 90 minutes. So I guess if you go, it's not going to be too bad. Dude, if you're going to blow 90 minutes watching a movie, watch something good like Gravity. You know, that fucking movie will will keep you riveted to the screen. Or porn, depending, depending on your staying power. You could probably get 90 minutes out of that. 90 minutes? I can't do 90 minutes on porn. Are you serious? That's stamina. I mean, maybe 20 <laughs> years ago. Oh, let's not get too sidetracked. 
Okay, so we're sick of reboots. How do you feel about spinoffs? Because I get a couple spinoffs to uh, make you all aware of. Hey, this all depends on the spinoff. What are we spinning off from? (laughs) We're spinning off a new X-Men franchise. They're going to be spinning off the New Mutants, um, and that's coming from the Fault in Our Stars director. Fox is pretty excited about this, so I guess good luck with that. You know, outside of Marvel, I give... uh, DC so much shit about their horrible movies. But aside from Marvel, Disney, Fox, they're still kind of holding their own. They're not even remotely in a position like Sony where they're going to start negotiating sharing characters or anything like that because they're still making gobs and gobs of money. And even though they've had some really low points, <coughs> X-Men 3, uh, <coughs> Wolverine, they really had a lot of success with um, their latest one, First Class. So... Coming off that high, we have Age of Apocalypse coming out. We have the last uh, on-screen appearance of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine coming up. This might do pretty good. So it's not one of those things where my personal opinion is going to get in the way of it making, you know, a half billion dollars opening weekend. Yeah, yeah. And for those who are interested, there is a The Rogue cut, as it's called, of Days of Future Past. It's coming on Blu-ray this summer, which includes the theatrical cut. So for those uh, idiots like myself who went ahead and bought the first version, <laughs> we'll promptly go trade that in, and uh, I will get uh, the newer version because I love the theatrical cut. I would love to know what they cut out of that movie because that movie is pretty fucking awesome the way it is. And in brief, the other spin-off, or should I say spin-offs, we had talked briefly in a previous episode about Transformers looking to create what Disney and Marvel have done with this big cinematic universe. And there's talk right now... Um, and this actually comes from Andrew Bear and, and, and Gabriel Ferrari, who, who uh, kind of put it out in the ether. Right now, they're talking about doing a film revolving around the Autobots and Decepticons on their homeworld of Cybertron. And then later, it was also announced that for a character spinoff, a specific character spinoff film, the name Bumblebee has been thrown around. So they at least have two projects in the works coming up. Hey, if you get that... We can't complain about that. There's too many fucking people in this movie. Let's see the robots. I just want to see the fucking robots interact with each other. And so if you set it on their home world, we don't have to deal with all this this crap. Like, let's let's meet Marky Mark and Shia LaBeouf and, and follow their little shenanigans. This one isn't a spinoff or a reboot. It's just plain weird. But I'm sure that there are plenty of our listeners that would have some interest in this. And that is that Paramount is working on a Beyblade live-action feature. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you're talking about Hasbro with Transformers and, and G.I. Joe, and just the merchandise alone, it, it makes ridiculous amounts of money. So Paramount Pictures is trying to duplicate their at least toy sale success with Beyblade, and... Um, they're looking for a 2017 release along with a new toy line, a new generation of toys, should I say. And um, Hasbro's got the, the worldwide um, marketing for this just locked down. They, they don't share the license with anybody. So even if it isn't a hit in the U.S. and it's a hit in Europe or if it's a hit in Asia, it, it's just going to be great for them i just i don't know if it's going to be great for us i remember beyblade making a splash but i didn't know it was still a thing i didn't know are their sales really off the charts right now where hollywood's going hmm we need to spin this off you know because there's 
other stuff that's still huge and huge because of you know the parodies online like Yu-Gi-Oh! Bridge. Alan S. says, why not Yu-Gi-Oh! Why don't we just do a live action of that? But yeah, because that hair would look amazing in live action, right? Well, again, I guess when you're talking that worldwide audience, anything can happen. Well, sure. I mean, we are in a day and age where old is new again. Sailor Moon is, is back and, uh, you know, you got DBZ, of course, a brand new Dragon Ball series. You know what else is back that I don't think we've talked about too much? Gem. Not Gem and the Holograms, unfortunately. I don't think. I think it's just Gem. Um, but, man, have you seen the trailer? I have not, although I remember years ago, I was dragged to the theater with my daughter to see Josie and the Pussycats live action. And it's like, oh, this is just as crappy as I thought it would be. The trailer was horrendous, and that wasn't just my personal take. That was 98% of the internet. I think the internet broke the day the trailer was released. Um, what I find more hilarious is that from Topless Robot, they get to score um, an exclusive interview, interview with the producer, Jason Blum, and they ask him some questions about the internet really being furious about this trailer. But the two questions that really stood out the most to me were they asked if he could reassure the fans who were a little upset because it didn't look and feel like what they were used to. And he says it's 100% true to the spirit of Jem. I think people will be very pleasantly surprised in a good way. And here's the kicker. He says, maybe lowering expectations is good. <laughs> Probably not the words you want to hear come from the producer's mouth. Um, and then a follow-up question. Um, the interviewer was talking about his wife being upset because it's not often you have a show where females have an opportunity to sound off at how horrible a trailer is. They don't really care what's going on with, with Avengers or whatever. Um, but she says, now I know what you guys were mad at with Michael Bay's Transformers. And the response from the producer was, you have to have faith. A trailer is, is two minutes. A movie is 90 minutes. And the internet was kind of pissed off with that response, too, because like your trailer is supposed to hook us into wanting to go see this. You can't say, don't judge a movie by a trailer. That's what the fuck trailers are for. And now, granted, nine times out of ten, those trailers are the best thing of the movie, and you might as well just save your money. But uh, once in a while, something will come along, and I know you have zero interest in Fury Road, but Fury Road totally matched the trailers. In fact, I mean, fuck, man. I can't shut up about that goddamn movie. But anyway. There's a lot of movies that you like, a lot of properties that you enjoy, and they don't all knock them out of the park. And I don't really want to rub some salt into the wound, but... I want to get your take on this news about Disney and Tron 3. A few months ago, they were saying that uh, Vancouver was being uh, location scouted for a production start on Tron 3. <coughs> so Tron Legacy and the original Tron are very near and dear to my heart. I love that franchise. They're completely different movies. Um, one's a, a product uh, a way ahead of its time, the original Tron from 82. Tron Legacy, as, as, as many problems as people had with the plot, everyone would agree that the visuals and the scoring from Daft Punk was amazing. It was definitely worth uh, a time investment for that. But I truly enjoyed the story and where it was, where it was leading to, where it was going to go for a part three. Now, the movie didn't, you know, it wasn't knocked out of the park like Pirates of the Caribbean movies or anything. But it did make a considerable chunk of change, enough for them to consider. I mean, they did have a spin-off series, Tron Uprising, an animated series, which is beautiful and, and really, really cool, that also kind of tanked on Disney XD. 
So it was kind of really up in the air whether they would uh, commit to this. You know, you had Garrett Hedlund uh, as the main uh, character. Uh, you know, Jeff Bridges on board. You had everyone, uh, Olivia Wilde, you know, just bring everyone back for part three. And I guess the rumor is because Tomorrowland is as, as good of reviews as it's typically getting, uh, is not making the box office that, that Disney had hoped for. And they're thinking that, well, maybe the, uh, maybe we should pull the plug on, on Tron because this one didn't do too well. I'm not so sure I see the connect. In this day of social media, enough Tron fans would come forward and say, hey, you know, we love this. We want to see part three. We'll, we'll go spend, we'll gladly throw money your way to see this. As if Disney doesn't stand to make enough money from Star Wars this December, right? I know you, you dig Tron, and I have always kind of been on the fence with Tron, but do you think there's really enough of a, a demand, an audience demand? The only reason I ask is because Tron Legacy, it grossed $400 million at the box office with a $170 million, uh budget. So it, I get it. It made its, its budget back, but then some. But you got to think a company like Disney's like, you know, it only made $230 million. You know, <laughs> what's something that's going to make... $700 million. Alan S. in our chat is bringing up John Carter. It's like, well, Tron Legacy was no John Carter. You know, they wanted to launch a new franchise with that, and that was just not meant to be. No. A lot of people try different things. You know who else is trying different things? And I'm actually kind of proud of, of them. Um, Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. And I know it's kind of weird. It kind of comes out of left field. But us geeks, we like to get our eat on. And uh, sometimes in the hustle and bustle of life, you've got no choice but to get some fast food. I was ecstatic about a year ago when our city finally got a Taco Bell. I didn't have to drive to a, another township to get my artificial meat filling intake. But what Taco Bell's doing is they're getting rid of artificial ingredients. And again, I, I kind of have to applaud them for this. They say in their press release that instead of, quote, black pepper flavor for existence, Taco Bell's going to actually start using black pepper in its seasoned beef. Um, they're doing a lot of things such as removing all um, high fructose corn syrup from their products. They're removing a lot of the dyes and colorings. Uh, for example, yellow number six will be removed from its nacho cheese, and blue number one will be removed from its avocado ranch dressing. And uh, carmine, which is a bright pigment, is going to be removed from its red tortilla chips. They're saying that they're hoping to roll out the entire menu between this year and 2017. They're going to use more sustainable oils to do their frying in. And they said they're going to cut all preservatives, quote, where possible by 2017. And I thought that was very interesting. I have uh, only one question to that is, will it still give you the shits? <laughs> Probably. Um, I mean, when you're using hamster meat, you're probably going to get the same effects. No, no, I'm not kidding. I'm not saying they're really using hamster meat. McDonald's has been suffering big time lately. It, um, you know, everybody's re reporting on it from CNN to the Wall Street Journal that their sales are just plummeting and they've been scrambling to try to figure out what to do to get customers back through the golden arches. And after reading about what, what Pizza Hut and Taco Bell are doing, McDonald's says, you know, we're going to do something too for our customers to improve that experience. And this is what they're going to do. This is their big multi-million dollar plan. They're going to toast the buns longer, and they're going to sear the burgers differently to retain more of the juices. That is their giant marketing plan to combat Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. 
Well, if they want to try something different with their meat, I encourage that because if that sits out for more than 30 seconds, it usually turns into some sort of petrified thing that ants won't even touch. You want something that'll go through you quick. The golden arches will hook you up good. No, just just stick to Taco Bell. You know, make a run for the bathroom, I always say, instead of the border. Taco Hell. I don't go to that one as often. I have a, a chain here in California, and some other states have it too, Del Taco. I love them, but I, I mostly go to them because they're just closer. Now, once in a while, I do crave the Doritos Locos Tacos because that is just a genius invention right there. Oh, yes. And to clarify, um, this is not going to impact proprietary uh, foodstuffs like the Doritos Tacos. They're, they're not going to alter that. You can go get your preservative-filled, fake-colored, artificially sweetened, whatnot, uh, Dorito shell on your taco. My girlfriend moved in a few months ago, and she she likes cooking. It's like, maybe she can make her own version of that, because her tacos are pretty badass. And if we have an excuse to not spend money out, <laughs> says the guy who just bought a, a new iMac, <laughs> I don't want to spend money. Yeah, bullshit. So, well, maybe we can have the Doritos Locos Tacos at home. You know, make your own version. That would be a great segment for a podcast. Right. Will this give you the the green apple splatters? Make it a challenge. Consume one just before recording an episode and see if you can stay in your chair for the hour. Rad Chad said Doritos reminds him of the 98 Godzilla. I remember the the Phantom Menace tie-in. You could get the little uh, cup toppers. That I still have. Darth Maul. You still have like a closet full of that shit? Every fucking one, along with the, uh, the the four mini posters that Taco Bell released. Yeah, I embarrassingly still have all that episode one shit. There we go. Odell the Jezebel says, Cooking with Kyle and what gives me the Hershey squirts? Yes. Yes, I think that would be huge. Does your wife cook for you? I do the cooking in the house. So if I get the shits, I only have myself to hold responsible. It's an experiment. We just write it off as uh, we learn from it. Try something, something new, and then your 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 sphincter's going. Oh God, no, no! Your colon's saying, "Fuck you." That could be fun. That could be interesting. How's that for a tangent? Aside from listening to me yammer about this for a couple minutes, I want you to go over and read this. We don't make any money for sending people over to links or anything, uh, but go over to IO9, and they have an article called "What's Behind Marvel's Campaign to Remove the X Men from Merchandising," and it's very beautifully laid out that. There is a very concerted and direct effort to remove certain characters from Marvel's merchandise. Now, as you may recall, um, one thing that Marvel already did that raised some eyebrows is they canceled Fantastic Four, the comic book that is. It's, it's not as conspiratorial as you would think. You're talking about a comic that unfortunately just wasn't bringing in the kind of money that Marvel would uh, hope to. And they didn't get rid of the characters entirely. They're going to have the characters still appearing in other characters' titles. But when it comes to the merchandise, um, not only is there not merchandise available, meaning you can't go out and buy the latest run of um, Fantastic Four or X-Men figures, um, they've, they've airbrushed them out of certain uh, comic book cover images for t-shirts and other apparel. And they have some great examples over on io9 of a Secret Wars t-shirt with Mr. Fantastic and, and other characters just removed from the scene or, or blatant examples of other characters covering them up that didn't appear on those covers. Um, and it's also, you know, a pretty big fuck you to Fox with their X-Men movies coming out and having su- some success with that, but there's no associated merchandise for those characters. So Marvel could talk about it not bothering them all that much, but apparently somebody's got a 
little butthurt over at Marvel and like, you know what? Can't buy this shit. When you have franchises like the Avengers and the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, not all of them have to make Avengers-type money. I mean, honestly, I don't see Ant-Man making more money than Avengers. It just, it just can't. People, people don't know the character. Mainstream America or the world is not that familiar with it. Are we interested? Are we going to check it out? Absolutely. Could you have another Guardians of the Galaxy on your hands? Maybe. Chances are probably not, though. I'm going to jump in with this real quick. Uh, Radchad in the chat asks if that means there's going to be a change to Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's origins. And as a matter of fact, yes, Marvel has already done that in the comics. And what they've done is they've retconned their uh, origins that they originally weren't mutants. Um, the IO9 article certainly goes into more detail about that whole story. But yes, they did kind of throw a little fuck you even further into the Fox universe. But they're like, nope, they weren't mutants to begin with. Kind of fooled you there. Oops. Wouldn't that be just wild to be a fly on the wall at the discussions between the legal departments of Fox and Marvel Disney? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you can do this, but you can't do that. Well, what if we did this? Like, yeah, I guess you can do that. It'll piss off fans, which is good because ha, maybe we'll make more money. Companies like Marvel, they've been very open about what they take in from their comics. <clears throat> Less than 10% of their annual um, income is from comic book sales. That leaves you over 90% with the films, with the merchandise associated with the films. So do people know, do the majority of, of Americans, for example, know every intimate detail about everybody's origin and everybody's 60-plus year plot line? Or do they just want to get high and go into the movies and bug out for two hours and munch in some popcorn? That sounds about right. That, that, that's, a, that's a tweet, soundbite-centric uh, version of what I think a lot of moviegoers are like. I don't give a shit. Just fucking entertain me. So even going back and making changes to have this perceived fuck you at another company, I don't think the majority of theater goers really care. I'm okay living in a world where they did two different things with, with the same characters. I think the bigger fuck you, as we discussed in our spoiler cast, was killing Quicksilver in Age of Ultron. Right. I think that, you know, the movie going audience may have some confusion there where it's not so blatant if you're collecting comics. Oh, this is a Marvel title. This is a DC title. If you go into the movies and, okay, I saw a movie with Quicksilver in it, and he lived through it, and then I saw another movie shortly after, and Quicksilver died. I think you're thinking in your chronology of not being a big comic fan, okay, Quicksilver's dead. Is That's a big gambit for Fox. Can Fox bring Quicksilver back and have people, wait a minute, he died in Age of Ultron. How the fuck did that happen? He's uh, Marvel's Flash, for all intents and purposes. It's like, how could this guy not dodge a bullet? I kind of dug him. I kind of wish he stuck around. I did, too. You know, this was the guy that people took a shit on during the Godzilla movie. He's also the guy that played Kick-Ass. I think he's a good actor. I watched the second one a couple times. I can't say it's in my uh, my top 20 or top 30, but I guess I respect what they tried to do. But the first one was great. Absolutely. Every Tuesday night, we do a live audio stream so you guys can listen in. So we generate a link that you can listen to us live and, uh, you know, just chat with us in real time. Uh, that's Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, typically. But follow our Twitter feed just to make sure... At BB Broadcast, so you can uh, make sure and tune in and, and catch the live feed. Uh, otherwise, you can always subscribe on iTunes and Smodcast.com, uh, whatever. You can download, stream to your heart's content, as long as you're putting us in your ear pussies and massaging it so nicely. The uh, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F 
theatrical limited theatrical event is taking place between August 4th and 12th. Oh shit, we got to find out what what major Hollywood blockbusters will be out then. What will it be competing against? Because it's still going to be impressive. It's like if Dragon Ball Z can hold its own just for that little little window of time. I don't know what I would think if it took in like, you know, 200 million dollars, you know? Fantastic 4 says Blaze Y in our chat. It's like, I don't know. I didn't uh <laughs> You think geeks that do a geek podcast would know everything, every every minute, uh, every minutia of trivia is at our fingertips, and we're like, fuck that, we're too lazy. We just want to record it, talk about it, and fucking go home. The first trailer was ass. It really was. And then the second trailer was so much better done, and I was like, ooh, you know, you, you kind of massage that part in me that got me a little erect. I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this now. But when nice. I went to go see Age of Ultron... They showed a, a third trailer I hadn't seen yet, and it was worse than the first one. So, <laughs> and no fucking Star Wars trailer attached to Age of Ultron in my region. So it was a double fuck you to me. But they reshowed that one, and I hadn't seen it theatrically. So that was the difference. I did get to see the the Force Awakens, the newer trailer in 3D in IMAX, and that one got applause. Fantastic Four, not so much. Comes out soon. Comes out in a few months. Cocaine, Cocaine and Whores uh, apparently looked it up. Comes out August 7th. There doesn't seem to be that blitz. There doesn't seem to be, you know, uh, yeah, I guess when you have a big tentpole picture like Age of Ultron coming out, you can have that new trailer coming out every other day or, or you know, two a week or, or wherever, whatever it was towards the end. But I just, I don't see the blitz behind Fantastic Four and I forget about it. And then a trailer will come out months later. I'll go, oh, yeah, that's a thing. And then I forget about it again. Blaze Y says Fantastic Four equals no happy ending. It's like, yeah, yeah. They Again, they had one of the trailers that kind of made me go, okay, this looks like it could be fun. And then others that are just like, nope, nope, this is a steaming pile of poop. Stay away at all costs. But Fox can't lose at this point because, you know, we're living in superhero land right now. That's what's big. And people, again, who don't know these characters or, or just remember them from their childhood, they might go in willing to give it a chance, thinking it's on the caliber of, of a DC uh, or a Marvel film, uh, which it probably won't be. <laughs> we are done talking about the shit as far as this podcast is concerned right now. Thank you so much for uh, for hanging with us. Again, shout-outs to Blaze Y, Cocaine and Whores, Odell the Jezebel, Alan S., Rad Chad, Treg, External Flash, Sigmund 88, and Super for joining us. Um, listen to the credits so you can find out how to get in touch with us and follow us on social media and all that juicy shit because um, we'll be here, damn it. We will be here through through thick and thin and all that stuff. Just, you know, eating Taco Bell and blowing it out our ass, right? That sounded good. I can't wait. Until next time, this is Kyle Abear. And this is Other World Steve. See ya! Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.